0: This is episode two of the latest mini-series idea that I've had, and this mini-series is called Headlines, in which I scroll through the headlines on my news app on my phone and, well, number one, that becomes a bit of a diary of the times because they just fly, fly away in ordinary circumstances and never existed at all into the future, future, you know, so, um, well, let's lock them in, that's one reason that I want to do a a little mini-series on headlines, the headlines of the day, and um, another reason is, which just just occurred to me, so I'll just do it, Uh, are there any other reasons? Um, Well, actually, I like headlines. Uh, they, they have some meaning of their own, quite apart from the article. Now, I may be right and I may be wrong, but I think in the old days, as good and bad as those were, in some ways, those days were badder. than these days, bad things happened in the past... You know, bad things happen now. Uh, I'm doing this episode on a walk, by the way. You know, a little bit of extra traffic noise, just at the moment I can see or hear. Uh, uh, headlines tell a story of their own, and and I think it's um, I think it's interesting to think about those stories as distinct from the stories underneath. Now, in the old days, I'm pretty sure. The headline pretty much summarised you know, in a newspaper, for example, a headline summarised what that um, uh, what that article was all about. You know? So um, uh, you know, so you know, you would get man bites dog, you know, and the article would be about a, a man biting his dog. Uh, that actually happened in real life uh, last year. It was fantastic. Well, uh, two years ago, actually, we finally had a chance to run a Man Bites Dog headline, and it was Connor McKenna, you know, the biter, we call him now. We love him. He's, a, he's our Irishman in our football team, Essendon, and he bit one of the Bulldogs players, and I can't remember who it was, um, actually bit him, and... Mike Tyson style. Don't think he took a piece of um, that dog's ear with him uh, or anything like that. Uh, but the biter, Connor McKenna, he's in Ireland at the moment. He got homesick and he went back. But he has um, rung through and said he will be up and at him, <laughs> ready for more biting uh, this year. Yeah, for a moment, we, he, he got homesick on the off-season and went back to Ireland and we were a bit worried because he's the fastest, I think he's the fastest runner on our team, along with Adam Saard. We need that drive out of the back line. Um, and, uh, and, and, and the fact that he's a fast runner and he's famous for it, and that's his identity, identity is huge with us, with we humans. Ident- it's his thing, Connor McKenna. The biter that he's a fast runner, and this this um, actually is, I think, explains why he bit that dog, that bulldogs player. Uh, uh, he and Adam Sard are our excitement machines out of the back line. They clear the ball out and um, make these stunning runs out of the back line. You know, two three four five bounces and then pump it into the forward line it's fantastic to watch and on this particular day he got run down and he was on the burst as well conor mckenna he was on the burst and um he got run down and i think it was on the halfback flank and um there's a there's a phrase that we irish have yeah i i can be irish when i want to be yeah. i'm english when i want to be too um I'm a few things when I want to be, I'm often a dickhead, Uh, but um, Conor McKinnon was run down by a bulldog, and just the frustration, I was there, and he was furious, absolutely furious, Um, there's this phrase we have called getting your Irish up, and he had his Irish up at that moment, I got interrupted then by an incoming phone call, as always, and and that's never a bad thing, you know, because I was off on a tangent there. Uh, I was off on a digression there. So, you know, the interruptions pull me back. Now, I was talking about Connor McKenna. Uh, So rewinding a little bit, uh, the main point was, I was talking about a headline called Man Bites Dog. Okay, so you can have a, a headline Yeah, in the old days, we would have run a headline "Man by its Dog," and that would have pretty well described what just happened. Yeah, what what were you going to read about in the article? You know, but nowadays there's been a change, and often uh, the headline is not as good a match for the article. I think, and and I think the online world uh, has you know the the way people interact. I think there's competition, you know, because to um, attract people into your article. So you have to kind of, and it's called clickbait. So I need to explain that no more. Uh, And in the old days with a newspaper, all you had to entice someone to do was to buy the newspaper and then they would casually, you know, flick through the, you know, whoomph, straight to the back page and read the sport. Uh Aha, man bites dog and there's Connor McKenna. And we're all having a good laugh except bulldogs, supporters, you know. But that's the way it was. You didn't have to um, write a headline in the old days to try and entice people to write, read the article, you do now. So uh, we ha- this has, I think, triggered a disconnect between the headlines and the articles that you read when you click into the headline. See, that's different. The headline used to be just on top of the article in the newspaper, well, it still is if you're reading a newspaper but not if you're online um in your news app okay so that's that um click bait. now i think this um yeah you, know, you can complain about that but i kind of like it i like anything i find you know even when the world gets bizarre that's interesting you know when the world's being sensible Well, that's interesting, but when the world gets bizarre, that's interesting too. Everything's interesting. It's all part of the human experience. So um, this little mini series, I think I'm making it up as I go along, is going to be about responding or considering the headlines without going into the articles Well, not very often anyway. But if a headline is just too good, I might go into the article and have a peek and cheat. Um, Okay, so what this um, mini series is going to be about, and um, I've refined it—I've refined its mission a little bit from the previous episode because this is the second episode of Headlines. It's going to be—it's going to—it's um, going to—it's going to be me asking myself, "What is this headline? Um, how is this headline making my life a better place?" <laughs> And it really doesn't matter what the article is. You know, sometimes you respond to. I I'll bet you, you know, as I, I said many times, I'm not on social media, but I bet you if you respond to a headline on um, in a media in a social media post, you know, people might say, well, if you li- if you read the entire article. You know, you would have a completely different understanding. You know, read the article before you respond to the headline. Grumpy, 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 you know what I mean? But no, I beg to, you know, I I sort of think, no, 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 no. The headline nowadays is a story in and of itself. And the article is a separate story. Look, they're related, but they don't have to be as closely related as before. What you're getting is two stories for the price of one. So I think there's something to be uh, said for... um, uh, enjoying what the headline is telling you. yeah, And also, and then yeah, if you want to go into the article and see what that's telling you as well, two stories for the price of one. I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, because imagine a real event happened, you know, man bites dog. Uh, yeah, a man bit a dog, you know. Um, now, the, um, if you went into the article, it would describe that. And that was the story I told before. You know, Essendon player, you know, gets frustrated, um, sees himself as the fastest person in the AFL. He's on the burst. He's flying down the halfback flank. He's got these plans to um, run down the wing um, with... uh, uh, 50,000 Essendon fans screaming their excitement and he's just loving it and then he gets run down and the absolute frustration, you know, and he bites his opponent. Yeah. You know, obviously a horrendous act. Yeah, but <laughs> if you were there, you kind of understood it. You know, there's no excuse and yet there is. I got it. You know, I was there, I was on the other side of the ground but I saw it um it's awful that he bit someone i don't think he was in control of his senses at that point in time he just (laughs) it's brilliant anyway that's what the article would um discuss but the headline uh, might um read something completely different and so the article is describing what actually happened, you know, maybe with a few lies, because it's media, it's media, you know. So um, there's a little bit of imagination, a little bit of fact in there, okay? When you read any article in the media, it's someone's interpretation of the facts. You know, whatever, whatever the facts were, you know, because the, look, most facts, the actual facts of what happened in the world are lost the instant, the fact, the, the thing has gone, you know. From then on, after something has happened, an event in the universe, uh, after something has happened in the universe, straight after that, all you've got is people's, inter- you know, interpretations of what happened, has happened. And there's some famous examples of this, you know. Um, they get 10 people, all totally ordinary people, um, all sensible people and all that sort of thing. And they say, I want you to watch this... Um, yeah, and and I, maybe they do this in police school or detective school, and, uh, and they make a fake incident happen in front of them, you know, and a car comes screaming, screaming in um, and, you know, a bunch of fake robbers hop out and they run into the uh, bank, you know, it's all set up, you know, just for the exercise, and they run out again and um, firing fake guns and all this sort of thing, and then afterwards, Um, they're all taken into a room, and they're all asked to describe what happened. Now, um, and, and you'll get ten different stories. This, I think this sort of, you know, what colour was the car, what was the number plate, you know? How many people were there, by the way, that jumped out of the car? Uh, height? You know, weight? Uh, what were they wearing? Hoodies? No hoodies? You know? What sort of guns? You know, how many had guns? You know, all this sort of stuff, and you get ten different stories. Now we know that that's what happens. You know, people are very—we're very unreliable in reporting what happened. You know, when we, when we come across an event, and um, we're very unreliable with our memories of of occasions and events in our our lives. Uh, <laughs> almost immediately, it's it's a version, you know, an almost half imagination, half reality version of events uh, with the only danger being that a lot of people and myself included I'm sure often we're absolutely certain that our memories are clear you know and that what we saw is what you know, we're reporting you know and we're very passionate about these this is the chain of events as I saw them Yeah, or as I experienced them, you know, especially if you're talking about your own childhood, you remember all sorts of things about your childhood. And my goodness, if a video pops up, you know, like you, you you know, for years and years, you tell a story about something from your childhood, you know, and, um, and then evidence comes up about that same event, you know, maybe a cousin was there when you were a kid, you know, maybe you were 14, so you're still, you're already older, maybe you were 16. And then you meet a long-lost cousin and you say, oh, I remember that time. I've been telling this story for years. Do you remember that time then that we all went to see, you know, Kiss together, you know, the rock band? And, you know, and your cousin says, yeah, I remember that. But um, you actually pulled out. You didn't come. I said, what do you mean I didn't come? I was there, you know. He says, no, you weren't there. Remember I offered you the ticket? And you go, oh, my God, you're right. I thought I was there. Yeah, because you already know the band KISS and you know all their songs and all that sort of stuff. And, and you've actually developed a memory that you were there because you intended to go but never actually got there. But um, during that, you know, that build-up when you were planning to go to that KISS concert, you'd already had it in your head, oh, this is going to be great and all that sort of stuff. And you've seen lots of clips of KISS on YouTube, so it's not hard to imagine what the stage performance was like because it was always the same, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And you are actually very truthfully uh, recounting a memory that you never had you created it yeah you know? but the problem is you would pass a lie detector test this is really interesting now you sort of think oh that's when you were 14 and now you're 56 you know actually that event is not from my past um actually a little it is a little bit because um someone asked me whether i um, went to kiss and i, I think i might have and i i think i didn't actually um, but I wasn't quite sure whether I had been or not. Sometimes I went to concerts and they were a bit forgettable for me. I didn't like KISS. Back in the 70s, wasn't my style. Yeah, um, uh, you know, I thought they were all a lot of glamour and not much substance. <laughs> yeah. um, I was into Rolling Stones and all that sort of thing. This has got nothing to do with all of this. But the point is your memory can be faulty, you know. And you could completely forget things, too, you know. I went and saw the Harlem Globetrotters. I had a cousin remind me of that. I went, oh, yes. I forgot all about that. (laughs) You know, had you not mentioned that, I might have gone for the rest of my life, Um, you know, uh, and and the Harlem Globetrotters could have come up in a a conversation and, you know, with my kids, might have said, ah, the Harlem Globetrotters, Dad, what are they? I said, ah, this is this old, you know, sort of fun basketball sort of team um, that they used to have. Oh, they still have probably, you know, but I wouldn't have said, and by the way I went and saw them once, you know, because I'd forgotten. <laughs> maybe that was a bit forgettable for me too. Yeah. Uh, Alright, so this is what happens, you know, so our memories are faulty, but, we're, but we do tend to be quite certain of our memories, you know, of the clarity of our version of events in the world and quite passionate about defending what we saw in life and what we experienced and all that sort of stuff, you know, and we do that. Okay, so even the articles you read, um, I I reckon, even if it's a qualified reporter, but reporters are trained, aren't they, to, um, you can train yourself um, to be a little bit more scientific and, you know, the key to it is doubting your version of events, you know. So even if you're a reporter and you're an eyewitness as well, you know, or you're interviewing a whole lot of eyewitnesses, you make sure you, you, you um, interview a few more. Like, you can imagine a BBC reporter, you know, uh, there's, there's a whole lot of refugees at, um, at the border of Turkey and Greece at the moment, you know, and they're interviewing, you know, the BBC is interviewing refugees on the border. Now, now these refugees are desperate to get across into Greece yeah, and then on to London, for example. Um, now, depending on who you are, there are some people who will be listening to such an interview and whatever the refugee will say, they'll say, what a load of rubbish, he's just trying to get across the border. He's saying whatever will get himself across the border and furthermore I respect him for that because I would do the same thing and you're an idiot if you're going to believe a word he's saying because only an idiot would tell the truth if one was a refugee so if you think he's telling the truth you think he's an idiot you know because only an idiot would tell the truth you know that sort of thing so you can have but then you get other people you know more compassionate people and tears are welling in their eyes even as they're listening to this bloke now, now, now we're talking to the audience here. Even as they're listening to this bloke, and he's telling um, the trials and tribulations of his experience as a refugee, getting to that border, and now he just wants to get through this gate. Please, you know, I've come so far. And I, I need to get to London because I've got some friends over there. You know, that sort of thing. Refugees that have got to London previously. I was actually listening to such, a, um, such an interview myself recently that's where I'm getting the idea right so um so there's two audience members one person is believing every word that refugee is saying and another person is believing none of it but the BBC reporter uh uh-huh what's that person believing well nothing that that person you can be a good journalist that person is just saying you tell me your story it's up to the audience to believe you or not. I'm not here. I'm not here on a fact-finding mission. You know, that's what the, a good journalist would say. I'm not here to believe you or disbelieve you. You just tell me your story. And if it was an investigative journalist, as distinct from, you know, just I just want this, this refugee story because, you know, because that that is an aspect of journalism. Listen, I'm going to interview one person. I'm not going to cross-check or you know, the the, uh, veracity of what he's saying, whether it's a lie or, or... Because I am not here, the journalist might say. I haven't... I'm not, you know, I never... I'm not here to uncover the truth here. I'm here to uncover what this bloke is saying the truth, which is a very different thing, but it's still valid. What that bloke is saying is the truth is a story in and of itself. Um... Even if it's a completely fictitious um, story, and, and it could well be true, you know, there's no way to know. It could well be true. Yeah, because the bloke would pass it, uh, quite possibly pass a lie detector test either way. Now, what that bloke is saying, there's, there's what happens actually, well, the, the reporter has got no way of knowing that, nor has the um, audience. And in some cases, even the person, who is recounting his experience is getting it wrong anyway, partly involuntarily. You know, sometimes we build up stories in our heads about what our experiences have been and sometimes we exaggerate them in our own heads and so on and so forth, you know. Okay, so the actual facts of that bloke's experiences in getting to that fence are lost in whole or part. Um, And they're definitely not known to the reporter, and they're, you know, definitely not known to the audience, although people will have very strong opinions. What are they reacting to if they're not reacting to actually what happened to that guy? They're reacting to um, a refugee who might have had, you know, you kind of know that there would be a refugee somewhere along that wall, that uh, wire fence, that has had that experience that this bloke is saying. It might be that bloke himself. It might be another bloke, you know. So you're reacting to the... the, t- the type of trial and tribulation that um, a, a refugee might have, you know? So that's what you're reacting against. Um, but you pin it on the bloke that's saying it, you know, or you say he's lying, you know. It really doesn't matter what the truth is. So what that bloke is saying becomes a headline. Now, the interesting thing, if you're an investigative journalist, you know, you would go and try and corroborate his story. Like in that, in the, in the, um in the uh, interview I heard, he mentioned other people. You know, because they said, where are you heading to, you know, this refugee? And he said, oh, I want to go to London because I've got lots of friends over there. And, uh, and they say that London is a beautiful place. There are plenty of opportunities for me. And um, that all the, the people of London are very respectful. And what he meant by that is to people like me. Yeah, he was basically saying they're not racist. They're lovely. All the people he knows will say, you know. And he actually made that, he gave that indication, you know, that all the people, uh, his friends, you know, who would be Syrians as well in London have reported back to him that the people of London are very respectful to Syrians incoming, you know, which flies in the face of what a lot of other people... See, immediately you've got a disconnect there. You've got a Syrian reporting that there's no significant racism in London, but then you've got let's say, London, you know, progressive Westerners in London declaring that, you know, um, Westerners are 90% racist. I know someone who quoted that figure to me once. So you've got to disconnect there anyway. The investigative journalist would start putting all this together and say, all right, and go to a progressive, for example, and say, do you think 90% of um, Londoners are racist towards you know, Syrian refugees, for example. You know, that progress, let's just uh, there would be a progressive out there that would say yes. In fact, it might even be 95%, you know. This is not a very accepting uh, community. Uh, uh, you know, England, London. It's not very nice to be a refugee in London. And then you say, right, we've got this refugee on the border. He's giving us a story. Is he telling the truth? Of course he is. You should not doubt refugees. And you say, all right, that refugee is saying that by and large and to a very large extent you know because all his friends are saying so all his Syrian friends are saying that London is a very respectful place for Syrian refugees so you know take your pick you know you can't have you know you 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 can't have it both ways um you just you just gave me two conflicting Ideas on whether Londoners, with two conflicting ideas with respect to refugees. Either he's telling a lie, you know, or, yeah, put it the other way, either he's telling the truth and Londoners are respectful, or uh, Londoners are disrespectful and he's telling a lie. And then, you know, the progressive minds say, well, you know, you can understand that because. Um, he needs, you know, he's a refugee and if he doesn't say those sorts of things um, then he won't get through because we're so horrible you, know, Aha, you say but that's not what you said before you know, so you can get into all of that and the investigative journalist well that will be the deductive the deductive Journalists, The investigator would, would, would get into that, you know, and catch them out. You know, it's almost like a cross-examination, really, isn't it? But then the, you know, but you'd start to piece together the story. But you would just leave it. You know, the BBC reported the other day just left it. But you could go a step further, you know, and start deducing and, and, and finding out whether he's telling a lie. Now, the, investiga- the gr- there are investigative journalists. So, um, and those guys... Um, yeah, you know, they would go to Syria. They can do that, the BBC, they're amazing. And and start interviewing, you know, all his, the rest of his family that he left at home, and saying, um, we've just been talking to your, you know, brother, your son, whatever. Um, tell us about his experiences. Um, but don't let them hear what he said. And just hear what, you know, and interview them. Tell, them, tell us about his childhood. Oh, he had a nice childhood, went to a nice school, you know. We always had a bit of money. Um, We had a bit of cash. um, So he flew out of Syria on a commercial airliner and uh, went to Turkey. And he actually owns a house over there and he's got a wife and kids and all that sort of stuff. And then the investigative journalist said, that's very funny because he said he was alone. And that he had walked across a desert to get to Turkey um, and had... um, and you know, and all these other things, you know, that he had been stopped by bandits, and uh, all his money had been stolen from him, and you know, and all sorts of other terrible things. He basically had been an, on an odyssey. You know, that could, you know, you can get that sort of disconnect. And then the investigative journalist might say, "All right, now I'm going to go um, to London and interview all his friends that he mentioned. Hello, um, and, and don't tell them either." what he said, that they said, you know. And that's what an investigative journalist would do. You know. Now, what actually does happen is that refugee gets knocked back at the border of Greece and Turkey, he goes back to, you know, Ankara, catches a plane, um, and, you know, flies to London, you know, he finds a way to do that, and um, and he's on the plane, and he tells the same story to some very compassionate person on the plane, a Westerner, because there are beautiful Westerners, you know, but gullible, you know, naive. Now, now, I'm not saying this guy isn't is such a person. This guy could have been on an Odyssey, yeah, you know, every bit as trialish and tribulationish as um, you know what's his name who went on that Odyssey <laughs> back in. Uh, yeah, my, my mind's a blank, you yeah. know. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, you know, back in ancient Greek times. Oh, come on, Damien. I mean, Charlie. Uh, right. Now, um, so, look, he could, you know, it could be all real. It could be all true. You could go back to his village and it could all be true. That it could be totally corroborated right there. And you go, oh, my goodness, that guy is the real deal. He's the genuine article get him through the gate right now and you could go in, into london interview all his friends and all that's true without a word of a lie too which would be a bit of a problem you know because then you'd have to go to that progressive again and say listen your assessment that you know 95 percent of you know, what you call white people in london are racist turns out to be not true what do you mean it's not true of course it's true because i say it's true you know i said no 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 we've just interviewed about 35 syrians and they all say it's wonderful. So, how about I get you in a room with those guys? Oh, I'm not so sure about it. I've never met a Syrian. Yeah, you know, maybe they're telling lies all those Syrians, says the progressive, because I need to believe um, that I'm a, we're racists, you know. I need to believe that because bad things have happened in the past and I can't have that um, having been anything to do with me. I need to distance myself from that, you know. So, I need everyone else I know to be racist so that I know I'm not, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm just having a bit of fun with all that idea now. Now, but the point is, you know, that refugee, ah, could have been telling a tall tale, of course, as well, and he could be on an aeroplane, and he tells his story to a, a lovely lady, let's I just, you know, um, who soon enough 20 minutes into the flight he's bursting into tears at what this bloke has gone through and he hasn't been through anything you know well most likely if you come from syria has have been through something but he hasn't been through in this scenario uh what he says he's been through and she says um i'm jumping on my aeroplane's wi-fi now and i'm transferring you a thousand dollars and he says a thousand blessings upon you this will make a difference to my life you know and, um, and it gets deposited into his bank, you know, and sits in there very nicely as an extra $1,000 on top of the $200,000 he's already and She only had $2,000 in the first place anyway. <laughs> you can get that sort of situation too. But the whole point of the thing, you know, what I'm talking about here is not a judgment one way or another on refugees or anything else, or progressives or conservatives or anything, it is that the actual facts in relation to a matter, can be very lost. Uh, but journalists can be trained uh, and can train themselves and individuals, like myself or yourself, can train themselves um, to doubt what they actually think. You know, when they hear anything, you know, you can have this kind of ethos of doubt. You know, um, not, it doesn't have to be cynicism. You know, like, but, you know, so I get, you know, um, you know, two tribes. <laughs> uh, the, who are they in Romeo? you Capulets and the Montagues, you know, and you meet someone from the Montagues. Uh, Romeo and Juliet and all that. And they tell you their version of events, you know, on the feud, the feud between the Montagues and the Capulets and who are the good guys and who are the bad guys, you know. And then you meet someone from the Capulets and that person gives you his version and all that sort of stuff, you know, and they two different versions. Who should you believe? You know, all that sort of stuff. Well, you can actually develop... What what you do is you listen and you don't necessarily... to a certain extent, just for manners, you don't openly doubt them. Every you know, hang off every word they're saying and prove it, prove it, prove it, prove it. You don't say that. Interrupted again, but you know where I was going with all of that. Now, um, and you know, as always, as always, I say interruptions are a blessing. You know, because they're a nice, neat way of finishing off a train of thought. All right, now we get on to. Um, the difference between headlines and articles. All right, all of that was talking about people trying to faithfully put in their articles, you know, what happened, you know, to report. This is about people trying to report. You know, be reporters. Okay, and it's faulty, but it's the best we've got. And, and there's no, no reason to say, oh, I'm not believing anything I ever read, you know. There's truth in it. You know, like you can read the history of Rome and it talks about, you know, Romulus and Remus being sort of raised by uh, a wolf and all this sort of stuff. You know, it's not true, uh, but (laughs) there's truth in it, you know, because the Romans believed it was true and that, that explains how they acted the way they acted and how they were the way they were, um... And, you know, if you're going to throw away even a myth like that, you know, um, then um, you're you're not going to actually able, you're not going to be able to understand real-life happenings, you know, and that was the biggest happening in history. You know, Rome, the idea of Rome, you know, went for thousands of years. And the only way to understand how Rome managed to be such a great empire and uh, all that stuff, you know, and survive for 2,000 years or however long it survived, the only way to understand that, you know, um, you know 1,000 years in the West and 2,000 years in the East, how did they survive so long? Um, well, if you've already th- decided you're not going to enter into any myths, you want to, you are... Uh, the sort of person who will only deal in facts. Well, there is a fact of a myth. The fact that the myth exists matters. So you have to actually delve into the myth and understand the myth. And this goes, you know, with religions too. The only way to understand, in fact, my Australia, you know, the Western world, you know, my, my Australia, the Australia I know is to understand, you know, Judeo Christianity. You actually have to understand the story of Jesus to even understand how the Enlightenment happened. You you need to understand ancient Greece and Rome to understand how the Renaissance happened. And to do that, you need to understand all the Greek myths, all the story. You you need to actually get inside how Alexander could have possibly thought he was um, the next Achilles. And how Alexander, for a while there even, um, could have possibly started to believe that his father was Zeus. You know, a little bit like Jesus, you know, possibly thought that God was his actual God, you know, that God was his own father, you know. How, you know, um, you know, because even Alexander's mother started to wonder whether Philip was Alexander's father or whether he she had been impregnated by Zeus, God, you know. And and now in the 21st century, you say to yourself, like. I'm not even dealing in that story. That's just so wickety-whack, you know. But, you know, anyone who takes that approach is uh, never going to understand Greece or Rome, you know? And you might say to yourself, um, you know, how could Alexander, be- uh, sorry, how could Julius Caesar actually believe he was descended from Venus, which I think was the case. You know, the Julians thought, believed themselves descended from Venus, you know which would be Athena, I suppose, you know. Um, how could that be? You know, and how could the Romans kind of think they were kind of Greek, Hellenic? You know, how could they think, that, you know, because the, the, the Romans basically told themselves a story that, you know, they were the refugees from the Battle of Troy, you know, which was possibly mythical anyway. but it was definitely mythical in terms of the scale of it, you know, because excavations show that it just couldn't be but the way it was told, you know. Um, and all this sort of thing, you know, and the story of, you know... Um, oh, I can't remember his name either. But, you know, uh, the general who escaped from Troy, you know, on the Trojan side... ...who escaped and went to Carthage and had an affair with um, Dido. You know, I think that pop singer might be named after her. And then rejected her and, um, and then she got furious and all that sort of stuff. And that explains why Carthage and Rome went to war and all that sort of stuff. You know, if you want to understand why Carthage and Rome, for example were such bitter enemies, you have to understand, I think, uh, what they thought was true. It doesn't matter what actually was true. What they thought was true and what they wanted themselves to think was true and what whoever, you know, made up the original stories wanted the rest, of, you know, all these descendants um, to believe it true. or her, you know, often it's the mothers that tell the stories by the bedside, you know, by the baby's bed. You know, often you think, you know, what's going on here, you know, how do do these myths develop? Often I think, you know, mothers have a lot to do with it back in the ancient world. You know, Alexander's mother, it was her that was sitting by his cot every night, filling his head with ideas that he was a god and, you know, that he was descended, that he was the next Achilles, whatever she was telling him. Most historians think that she had a far greater influence on creating the man the myth the legend that was alexander then um then his well his father philip did in fact she even filled his head with ideas that philip might not even be his father can you handle all these myths can you handle the the idea that you know um can you get into the story of jesus for similar reasons in depth for years study jesus you know And I think, and I studied, I've studied Jesus for years. You know, I think it's very, very important to study everything about Jesus. I get right into that um, because um, that explains how we think today. It, It helped create the Western world you know, ancient Greek mythology and everything, every other mythology too, you know, that's gone into the mix to create the Western world and, in fact, the entire world today. You have to get into all the myths of, you know, ancient Egypt, ancient Babylon. Everything goes into the mix, you know. Um, Ancient China now, you know, everything, you know, all goes into the mix. And the myths matter. Now, (laughs) I got way, I went big picture there, but I want to zoom it you know, I want to go flying back to my small picture, which is just the plain old headline on uh, you know, a news feed on my news app. And I think there's an analogy there. Um, the headlines themselves these days tell a story, and it's often clickbait or a myth, or it's just they have to entice you into the article. In the old days, the article um was just there they didn't have to do that you know so they could just make the headline a summary of what the article was about but these days the headline is thinking about who you are you know, as a reader and what's going to make you click on that headline so it's telling a story in and of itself so i think the headlines in and of themselves become interesting in the same way it sounds crazy. But, you know, a study of Jesus becomes important. Uh, oh, I think important. you know, And a study of Greek mythology becomes important. And all that stuff, you know. All important. The head- headlines, we, you know, they're often lies. But that's not a reason to just not consider them. Because even if you think it's a lie and you go, what a load of bulldust. And scroll right past it and refuse to even sort of process it in your head. To understand your fellow man, um, it's important to sort of think about that headline and say, now what's my fellow man making of that? And are they buying into it? Well, of course they are because the people writing the headline knows it, the marketplace. you know, And they know there are people like you that are going to just say it's ball dust, but they know there's a million other people that are gonna to react to that headline. So I think even someone like you, sensible you, should consider you don't have to. In fact, I'm talking about myself. I think I should consider headlines in and of themselves, regardless of what the article is underneath those headlines, and say to myself, "What's this headline writer? Which might be an editor, and most likely not an might be an editor, and not even the article writer, him or herself. You know, whoever's writing the headlines might be a completely different person, and he's telling a story, him or herself, or itself. You know." So you've got one person writing the article and you might have another person writing the headline who is telling a different story. And maybe they're playing on, you know, race, you know, the fact that your biases, you know, your biases or, you know, what's going to get people upset and all that sort of stuff. And they just word that headline in such a way, you know, you know they might say gangs roaming the streets of, you know, some suburb, Dandenong or something. Now, the gangs they're talking about might be the mafia, you know, or it might be a gang of geese. Do they call geese gangs? There's a gang of something. They're a gaggle, aren't they, the geese? Um, are there any animals that are that co- are collectively a gang? Uh, it's a murder of crows. I always like that one. All right, a gang of somethings. A gang of pangolins. <laughs> All right, um... And uh, so what you have to do is you sort of say, "All oh, I'm gonna read that headline. Um, and it might be that man bites dog thing. The article might be man bites dog, you know. And, but the, the headline saying, a dog ran onto a football field today. What happened next, you will not believe. Right, now that's a completely different story, you know, than, you know, Conor McKenna. Gets furious that he's run down by a bulldog, uh, a player, a western bulldogs player, and, yeah, um, and loses his head for a moment, and then bites the bloke. That's a different story, yeah. You know? But it's worth thinking about, you know, what the headline, the story, of the headline person is telling us as well, because not because it's true or anything. In fact, it's quite possibly false in whole or part. Uh, but because a lot of other people are thinking it's true, and they're reacting all over Melbourne to that untrue headline, and to understand, um, uh, to understand the way Melbourne is thinking and the way the whole human race is thinking, yeah, you, know, you have to, um, I think, um, get inside uh, the fact that they believe in myths and. I think we believe in myths in the modern age every bit as uh, readily as we believed in myths in the ancient times yeah those guys start to seem not so crazy once you look around you know um and and listen to um the opinions forming in your fellow man and in yourself so you have to actually include yourself as someone who is susceptible we're not as clever as we think we are well you might be but i'm not you know, sometimes i react to a headline i went ah damn you're an idiot charlie again you react to a headline you know it's a, you know it's fake donald trump's right he's right on that i think um okay so you know headlines are very interesting they're the modern mythology you know in whole or part all right and to that end i'm going to in afterwards because i have to stop now um i'm going to go through today's headlines and see what and and just try and see what stories they're telling me and um keep it in the back of my mind that whatever stories those headlines are telling me there are a lot of people in melbourne and australia and the world who aren't going any further aren't going any further than the headlines and, and and to that person that says hey before you respond to react to a headline read the article and before i you know I'm gonna disagree with that person. I'm gonna say no, because you know, if there are a million people reading that headline and they are re- reacting to the headline and not going into the article, then it would be counterproductive of me to read the article. It's not about what the truth is. It's, what it, it's, what, it's about what people think the truth is, often. Often, it's about what people think the truth is. You know, and, and then you get these stick in the muds who say, no, it's, you've gotta to get to the bottom of the facts. I say, no, no, the facts aren't aren't illuminating the facts are not telling me anything about the way the world is going. It's the myths that explain the reality of the world the facts don't explain the reality of what I observe in the world the way the world is going. Yeah, The facts in the ancient world don't explain how Greece became Greece and Rome became Rome. You know, and for that matter, every other country became every other country. You know, like Alexander, if he was being what you would call in 21st century terms, rational, wouldn't, would have, wouldn't have become Alexander the Great. He would have become Alexander the Careful and wouldn't have tried half the things he tried and succeeded at, you know. Um, uh, most of the things he tried were suicidal. He went for it anyway. Look, he probably got lucky. One stray arrow in all those campaigns and he was dead. You know, but he missed all the arrows. Someone, you know, there would have been 500 Alexander the Greats in history, but he's the one that didn't get hit by an arrow, you know, and that's something to consider as well. You know, what makes you great? Well, you have to be amazing, like Alexander was. You know, he had every possible advantage born with everything and just an amazing person all around Um, but you also have to be lucky you know to be great all right now um and 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 i think this is why it's a good idea and this is why i think headlines are fantastic are fascinating you know because i want to understand the world well i better understand the myths okay and the best myths i know getting around in the 21st century are headlines on my newsfeed. And without further ado, I'm going to just later scan a few for fun. And maybe I'll just have one short single word reaction to most of them. You know, and that reaction might be, ha, what a joke. Yeah. I may say no more than that. But there might be the occasional headline where I say that headline there, regardless of what the article is underneath, tells me a very big story. Yeah. And, and, and then if I come across the person who wrote the article underneath and said, hey, no, 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 you, you, you need to read the article to fully understand what I was getting at. I don't care what you're getting at. You know, because too few, too few people actually read the article. You know, you wasted your time to a certain extent because you know, maybe 80% of people read the headline and nothing more. You know, so the headline matter's that the editor's story in the headline mattered more in the end than the more factual article you wrote. Sorry about that, you know. Right, let's get on to it. As I say later after work. Right, let's give this a go. And I think this is going to take the form of What is the story that a headline is wanting to tell? How's that sound? (laughs) And and nothing to do with the article underneath the headline. Alright. So, um, today's Epping Boys High School... Now, this becomes a bit of a diary of the times, too. Epping... Epping... Epping Boys High School ordered to close after student tests positive coronavirus. Alright, so we just mark that down as the first school to close due to coronavirus. Maybe they'll all be closed down soon like in Italy. Next Yeah, that's just straight factual, isn't it? Uh, New South Wales government could sell remaining stake in West Connex to pay for infrastructure infrastructure project blah blah. That no idea what that even means. Next one. Women's T20 World Cup. Australia into final after beating South Africa. That one I know about. Um, And uh, it was a uh, if you yesterday, you know, because I was keeping an eye on that game all the way through. I'm interested in women's cricket. (laughs) I love it. Um, Yesterday, if you were to bet on it, Australia uh, you would have thought um, that uh, You know Australia South Africa um, y- You would have thought that It would have been a washout because we've had massive rain um, India England got washed out the day before and England just had to pack their bags and go home and uh, Australia uh, now goes through, we would have had to have had to pack our bags and, well, we're already home. Uh, now, women's cricket I like. You know, women's f- football might come along, uh, my brother says, um, you, just gotta, you just have to give women's football time, uh, because the young ones who are playing, like his daughters played footy, and my daughter played with them for one year. Um, we have to wait until those ones come up and become grown-ups because then they'll have been playing all their lives and um, and then women's football might be of a higher standard. At the moment, it's not much of a look. But women's cricket, um, you know, it, it relies less on strength, and I don't know if that's controversial, you know, than Aussie rules football does. And almost immediately, you know, we've got... Well, not immediately, they've been playing for a long time, some of these women... Uh, women's cricket, um, but I think it's going to be a lot bigger on the world stage. Well, obviously because it's cricket. You know. All right, now that's that. Next one. Yeah, I'm just warm. I'm just getting used to this game. Elizabeth Warren, once a front runner, drops out of presidential race. Yes. Um, uh, she even lost her. I, I actually heard about that, and she even lost her home state. What is her home state? Minnesota. I can't remember um uh yeah she's bombed out um, and uh and bloomberg has bombed out too spectacularly after spending half a billion dollars on his campaign and joe biden um, ex um uh, ex yeah you know, like previously vice president to obama uh, he's going really well and he hasn't even got a lot of money in pres- you know in in the sort of terms that you need, you know, like, well, your Bloombergs and your Trumps and all that sort of stuff, the billionaires, um, but against them, Biden hasn't got a lot of money and hasn't spent a lot on his campaign. No ads, practically, and Bloomberg just flooded the market with advertisements, um, with a bottomless pit of money, and Bloomberg went out spectacularly and Biden's still going. So uh, this, this shakes my feeling that it's all about money, because it didn't work there, all the money, uh, but Elizabeth Warren, um, and she's fairly, I think she's fairly left wing, uh, like Sanders, and I think, and I may be wrong, Joe Biden is more centre, uh, and Bloomberg more centre, yeah, for, I would say for sure, uh, and, uh, but Elizabeth Warren had to go, um, I, I, I think, I think Donald Trump can make mince meat of certain types of candidates and whether it's right or wrong um, the sorts of candidates that he can just chew up and spit out are women I, I don't think you know, women have much of a chance against Donald Trump because he's a bully against women and I don't know what you're going to do about that feminists I don't, you, know, um, you can put a woman up against him but he's just going to destroy her he, um, he really, um he knows how to attack women. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, he knows how to uh, abuse them. He manages to abuse everybody somehow and get away with it, you know? There was one the other day, I, I was passing uh, my mother-in-law, interestingly with Donald Trump, um, there are women who love him, you know, the way he is, but you know, we'll get, yeah, that's another story. Um, and I think someone had accused him of calling someone stupid. Someone he, sh- you know, that he shouldn't have called stupid. I think he called them stupid. And he manages to call people stupid even when he's denying calling them stupid. He manages to say two different things in the same sentence somehow. With the same words. Um, so with that one, he said, I never called him stupid. I had a lot of material. Don't get me wrong. I had a lot of material. But I didn't call him stupid. I <laughs> just called him stupid there. <laughs> I don't know. Look, he's a bad person. But the point is, um, it's uh, American institutions aren't strong enough to um, do anything about a single person rising up and seemingly taking control um the entire joint you know a little bit like julius caesar did once you know you were rome was a, a mighty republic a um, ultra powerful oh, look at it, it well all right by the time julius caesar had come along it had been in constant um uh, turmoil for <laughs> 80 years or 100 years uh 100 100 years but uh, the point is the institutions of the old republic of rome couldn't handle a single man rising up and just grabbing the whole thing, yeah. Um, and, and bending the whole place towards his will, yeah. And um, and eventually the Senate tried to stab him, yeah. And recently there was a Senate, you know, and they try and the Democrats tried to impeach Donald Trump, you know, something similar. Yeah, you know, which is the modern version of you know the Senate all surround the senators all surrounding Julius Caesar and stabbing him to death, and recently you know the Democrat Party um, tried to surround Donald Trump and stab him to death, but not physically, you know, uh, via an impeachment, and it failed miserably. You know? And uh, and uh, throughout that, you know, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, was at the forefront of the campaign to impeach Donald Trump and he chewed her up and spat her out and made her look ridiculous he has a way of doing that with women and I think socialists are also meat for Donald Trump, he can just spit them out too so I don't think, you know it might not be a good idea to put any socialist against him, even if it's the right thing to do, in your mind You know, not in my mind, I don't have any politics you know Um, for the purposes of this podcast. Uh, So, you know, I'm not anti-Trump and I'm not for Trump in this podcast. Um, A lot of people would be doing something like this, going through the news headlines and um, be trying to push what they think is the right thing, you know, like reacting to the headlines, but I'm actually just trying to sort of discuss what the headlines are trying to say and maybe just tell you a few anecdotes of stuff I hear. Um, so I think in the end, look, I guess it seems sensible just to put Joe Biden up against Donald Trump. I'll say know more about that. Okay, um, next one. King Jong-un sends get well wishes to South Korea. Okay, that's nice. Um, South Korea's having a lot of trouble with coronavirus at the moment. We probably will soon as well. And maybe New Zealand will send us get-well card. Um, next, the world's reaction to the Wuhan coronavirus—we're oh, calling it the Wuhan coronavirus—that's oh, fair enough—is disproportionate to the threat. Oh, that'd be a boring read. Okay, um, to me, Prince Harry and Megan begin farewell royal events. Now, um. Ugh, not too boring. Next. Today, which is a TV show, slammed for Vile Megan segment. Well, that's irrelevant to me because I don't watch TV. Um. Next one. There's always going to be so. Yeah. You're always going to get a headline like that. That's one of those guaranteed headlines. Yeah. You're always. Yeah, someone's going to say something offensive. Yeah, because we've got a lot of people in Australia. Um, It's like, um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you could be in a, yeah, you you could have a, um, you could have someone who has been who's done something wrong, yeah, and um, actually done something wrong. Alright, I'm just thinking of this aloud on this one. This is the way social media works too. Um, you can, no matter what. Let's say you've done something wrong. You know, I don't know what. You know, you've been inappropriate somehow on in in the public domain. You know, you're a politician or something. You've done something wrong, or you're an activist or whatever. You know, left wing, right wing. I don't care. Um, but you've said something offensive. You've done something wrong. Whatever. Um, now you've, you you. Are able to counterattack every single time you don't have to take responsibility. And there's a little trick and a method to it. And it goes like this. Um, uh, let's say you've um, offended a whole section of the community somehow, you know, and you're a left winger or a right winger. Right, you're on social media. Now, the minute you offend anybody in the community, what they call trolls will start saying the worst things about you. Yeah, because there's always some of them, you know, We're on a bell curve, so that's an absolute guarantee. It's not representative necessarily of society, but you know the bell curve? You know, you're gonna have some people saying, listen, I, I, you know, you've said something offensive about, I don't know, all right, you've said something you know, offensive about indigenous people, let's say, you know. All right, now what's going to happen is, a lot of people are going to say nothing a lot of people aren't even on social media, right, but even the ones who are on social media, only a very small percentage of those are commenting, you know, online, okay, and of those, well, you know, most will have moderate, well, maybe, you know, anyway, well, all I'm getting at is way over to the left of the bell curve, some people will be over to the right and saying, I support you ferociously, yeah. In everything you've said, I think it's outrageous that people have been offended. You are absolutely within your rights to say what you said about it, ad- Aboriginal people, you know? What is this world coming to, you know what I mean? And, um, and but over on the left, you're going to have, you know, that a percentage of people who are just going to go to town and uh, abuse you, abuse your family, you know, abuse the size of your nose, the color of your hair, everything, and you know, are going to say the most horrible things about you. Now, you have done an offensive thing, you know. In this case, it's some conservative or something that's been offensive to indigenous people, let's say. Right, you have done the wrong thing. But, because you attracted those trolls, and there's always some of those, it's impossible for them to not, it's impossible for there to not be those trolls. Well, there's your get out of jail card every time. You, can get in front of the cameras every single time and and say, right, I'm going to read out things that have been said about me. And no matter how sinning I've been, you know, I've been sinned against far worse than anything I've said. Yeah, you can actually take that tack. Yeah. Um, and it's a strange thing. You, you can divert attention away from your infraction, no matter what it is, every time. Excuse me. Um, that's an interesting sort of thing, isn't it? Maybe. All right. So that's that. Next one. Um, you know, that, that, that relates, I think, to Today Slammed for Vile Megan segment. Well, also... Um, shows like, TV shows like that, and radio shows and all that, they always have, they're trying to uh, be a bit controversial, are they not, you know? Um, Football shows like that, you get two football commentators, and you can can tell that even before they've switched on their microphones, they've said, alright, you know, some player, you know, has been caught drinking, you know, even though there's there's a curfew on drinking, you know, before a game, you know, not a football player. And they say, all right, well, which one of us is going to defend him and which one of us is going to slam him? And they say, oh, look, I'll slam him. Okay, all right, then I'll all defend him, you know. And then they get on and then they say, oh, I think it's absolutely, I think he should be sacked. You know, that guy, I'm, I'm furious at him. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, what the hell are you talking about? Says the other guy. It's actually a fake argument. You know, sometimes I feel that, you know, because it's too coincidental. Too often, there's two commentators. And one's way over there to the left, and one's way over there to the right. And, um, and the ratings are going through the roof. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, all right, it's a show. It's, a, it's not actually a debate, it's entertainment. Or, you know, it's two commentators voicing what the two sides, what they think the two sides of the argument might be over the water cooler in offices all over Melbourne. Yeah, there's that. So what was the segment there? Today slammed for vile Megan statement. Now, one other thing that's funny about Megan, uh, the Duchess of Dagenham or wherever she's from, um, is, um, every now and again, I'm reminded she's black. <laughs> I keep forgetting, you know. And if I do have a negative thought about her, you know, I've done quite a few episodes about Harry and Megan, um, none of them involved race but you know sometimes on the news sometimes i think everyone's you know attacking megan because they just can't handle having a black woman in in um in english royalty i go oh yeah i, for- I keep forgetting she's black <laughs> and it's genuine you know now a person you know a person might listen to my episodes if i had criticized her and i think i've criticized her from time to time and i think i've supported no i think i've supported her you go back and listen I th- I think pretty much I've um, supported her uh, and think I, I think she's doing a great job, and I think I was smashing Harry at one stage, you know, but, um, but, uh, you know, someone could be listening to my episode and say, oh, see, you just can't handle it, you know, um, having an African-American woman in the royal family, and I said, oh, yeah. And they say, "See, you were being racist." And I say, "Oh, well, actually, I wasn't because I forgot." <laughs> Yet again, <laughs> it takes you to remember me. Right, there, that's a few angles on vegan that I, just, I am, I, that just stream of consciousness style, yeah, you know, jumped into my head. Right, next one: man proposes marriage on stage in front of Duke and Duchess of Sussex. All right, that's lovely. Facebook removes deceptive Trump census ads Now, this is not about Trump or, and not against Trump not for Trump not anything Trump but what's going on there That's a tricky see it's a tricky tightrope that um, organisations like Facebook have to walk isn't it this would definitely be well debated in other podcasts so I won't debate it but um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tricky one how far does a or an organisation like Facebook go in um, censoring someone like Donald Trump yeah. and you might say well I hate Donald Trump so they can go yeah. You know, they can censor him as much as they like and then um, you might uh, love Donald Trump and say this is an absolute outrage if you're going to censor him you know, censor Joe Biden as well on everything he says, because every politician's got an element of lies. Yeah, you know, and then the Trump anti-Trump brigade will say, "Well, not as many as Trump Trump, not as much as Trump lies." And um, and then the Trump supporter might say, you, "What? You're going to put a percentage on it? You know, um, lies is lies. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe he's just more open about it. You know, and all, and so on and so forth. Look, I'm just saying. I I'll bet you. I'll bet you that that is well covered." In other podcasts, the um, the tightrope, yeah, the, the the difficult job it is. Where to draw the line on censoring? I bet you that's well covered. Next one. Um, negligible. Never Bernie Sanders and the Democrats are birds of a feather. All right, now that sounds like. That, that's under a heading called US politics, and I would say that's just a Republican article that's going to smash Democrats. Okay, now, so yeah, in the media, you've you uh, well, in Australia, we don't have any media, I think, which is um, uh, unbiased, you know, we've got. Left-wing papers and right-wing papers. So um, we don't. Have, I don't think we have any media outlets that are um, are trying to be what I'm trying to be in this podcast. You know, just not caring. You know, I, well, not not caring, but not actually. You know, keeping their own politics to themselves. You know, I keep my own politics to myself, and I hope that you can't tell whether I'm left or right as you read listen to this podcast. Now the funny thing about that actually is if I did achieve a, um, a perfect level of detachment, political detachment if one achieves perfect detachment and you're not being left or right I'll make this my last uh, item in, in this episode. If you achieve Perfect detachment in terms of um, your political leanings, yeah, you know, and you're not left or right, yeah, you know, and you just read the political wins and you chat about those, yeah, you know, and you say, oh, Donald Trump said something there. I reckon that's a great big fat lie, you know, and Donald Trump said this other thing over here. Yeah, all right, that's got validity, you know. And then you say, and Joe Biden, he just said that, and that's a great big fat lie. And Joe Biden said this other thing, and that's got validity too, you know. Um, if you achieve that perfect attachment, um, as I understand it, and I've never tested this, um... Uh, the average left winger who is listening to you will think that you're a right winger, and the average right winger that's listening to you will think you're a left winger. Uh, I've never tested that as a theory, but I bet you that's true. Uh, and I, is that, is that called conservatism bias? Yeah. It, 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 um, in psychology, um, it's, I think it's uh, that analogy, would be when, you know, let's say my brother-in-law, who's Collingwood, and I, well, I'm Essendon, uh, go to the football. And the free kicks are dead even, but neither of us has been counting. You know, we've just been watching the game. We haven't been watching the scoreboard. We haven't been watching who's getting the most free kicks, you know. At the end of the game, he'll be certain, perhaps... Collingwood got a raw deal on the free kicks, and I'll be certain that Essendon got a raw deal on the free kicks. You know, I think it works like that. And um, and then what happens is um, someone comes up to you and says, "Actually, guess what? The free the free kicks were dead even." Um, and both of us go, "You're kidding! <laughs> I thought." Collingwood. Yeah, you know, I'll say. I thought Collingwood had twice as many free kicks as we did. You sure? <laughs> yeah. But the stats. are The stats. You know, someone's been counting them. Someone who is detached. Someone who's neither a Collingwood nor an Essendon supporter has been counting the free kicks, and they're even. Yeah. And then my brother-in-law goes. And then he says, Yeah, yeah, but um, yours were gifts. Yeah. You know, uh, we earned ours, and you didn't earn yours. And I say no, they're funny. I think. Um, you didn't earn yours, but we earned ours. And I think this is all to do with a thing called conservatism bias. And I hope I got the terminology right on that. And I think I think that happens with politics too. And let's say in this podcast I did achieve an unbiased zen in... Um, considering world politics, and I you know, I have a chat about Liberal and Labor in Australia, um, and Democrats and Republicans in America, and just world politics in general. Imagine I was able to achieve a certain Zen, and a detached Zen with respect to that. I am pretty sure that um, anyone who does lean one way or another in politics uh, would declare me not at all unbiased. I'd say, no, I just listen to him. He's biased. Um, And I think that's because if I say something against, now, was that person conservative or um, non-conservative? Yeah, you know, whoever I talked about, let's say, let's call it a conservative. A conservative person is listening to me, um, and he said, "I just listened to him, and he said something against you know, whoever Tony Abbott, yeah, you know, uh, who's yeah uh, you know, our erstwhile liberal leader. You know, so obviously a conservative. Uh, well, actually, he's a uh, he is exceptionally conservative. Yeah. You know. um, now." I just heard him talking about Tony Abbott. And he criticised Tony Abbott. And you know what? This Charlie Threadbow on this podcast, I'm off him. I'm off him. He is is a commie. He is a damned commie. You know? And, um... He's left-leaning. Whereas I might have also criticised Tony Abbott for something else. But that didn't register as strongly as... Uh, oh, sorry. I might have um, supported Tony Abbott, you know, five minutes before. But they said, "Yeah, yeah, of course." You know, that's an obvious point. Of course, you would say something nice about Tony Abbott because he's obviously a good bloke. But then I criticised Tony Abbott five minutes later, and they say, "Oh," and, and the emotional reaction they're having, or the uh, um, intellectual um, reaction they're having, is much stronger in. Uh, in disagreeing with me than their emotional or intellectual reaction to me saying something positive about Tony Abbott was, you know, one is stronger and one is weaker, so on balance in the mind and and I think um, you already knew what conservatism bias was, didn't you? So I've over-explained it (laughs) I'm actually going to slice that bit off ...as a separate episode called Conservatism Bias. And, um, but f- and if i got the terminology wrong, then you just correct me in your mind. You know, because this is not a, an academic podcast.